0: Welcome to the Parenting Well podcast with Parent Engagement Network. I'm Dr. Shelley Mann, your host, and today we're listening to Parenting Well, where we know that parenting well is challenging and that all parents are the best parents they know how to be. We firmly believe that the foundation for raising happy, healthy youth is for us as parents to fill our own well with useful, reliable, credible information tools and strategies. Having that well of resources leaves us more engaged, educated, and empowered, to support our children in being strong, resourceful, confident, and resilient in the face of life's many challenges and adventures. So let's fill that well. Today's well source is Stephanie Small. Stephanie is a licensed clinical social worker and nutritionist. She believes that diet and supplements have a profound impact on our mood, clarity, sleep, and much more. Therefore, her work is a unique blend of nutrition, somatic, and intuitive practices. Stephanie is one of the speakers at our upcoming virtual stress and anxiety conference in January, and you can sign up for her workshop and others from our website at www.penbv.org. Thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So let's just start with you telling us a little bit about your approach because you have a pretty unique approach to, to nutrition and therapy. Yeah.
1: So, um, I have a private practice and well, it <laughs> used to be in Boulder. Now it's all online. So I actually see people from all over. And um, in that capacity, I do a few things as far as my practice. Um, I am a psychotherapist and I specialize in working with people around relationship with food and the body as well as trauma. But I, I kind of see anyone who wants my approach because my approach really is a unique blend that I've put together over the years. I was trained psychodynamically, um, definitely in a lot of settings that used more cognitive therapy. And while I think all have their place, I have found really that to get to the root of the issue going into the body is key. And so, um, I use somatic therapies. I use parts work like IFS and I also use this strange thing called mental health nutrition, which is what I'm here today to talk with you about. Um, I, gosh, I I could spend a half an hour talking about my journey in discovering mental health nutrition, but to keep it brief, I'll say, you know, I I was working back in the day in a very conventional setting as a social worker, had my own journey with food, you know, healing around food, went and got my first certification in holistic nutrition, moved out to Colorado, started my practice, and then saw some ads for uh, courses in mental health nutrition. And I was like, What? And I got really lit up and I met with the woman who taught them. um, And she connected me with the Substance Abuse Recovery Center that needed a nutritionist there to do these protocols. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know these protocols. And so it was this crash course of me teaching myself via books and taking her course. Christina Veselak is her name. Some of the listeners might be familiar with her. Um, And these approaches, which is is similar, very similar to functional medicine for mental health, they work so well that I now embed them in the front end of my practice with all of my therapy clients. Um, and I also see people just for mental health nutrition for three to six sessions if they already have a therapist. Um, and I also teach courses in it and speak about it and I'm interviewed about it and blah, blah, blah. And I'll talk more about the course later. Um, but I find it really practical because mental health nutrition is that basically it's the art and science of using nutrition and supplements to stabilize biochemistry and it then reduces or eliminates mental health symptoms, including anxiety, depression, insomnia, OCD, PTSD, bipolar, substance cravings, ADD. Yes, I've worked with people with all of these diagnoses. And it makes sense to begin early on in the work stabilizing from this physiological standpoint, because then, and, and it happens quickly, right? Cause it's, it's supplements, yeah. it's concentrated nutrition. And if the body's lacking that and it gets what it needs, it, it can perk up very quickly and change quickly. And then you see the symptoms that remain are emotional to work on. So again and again, I have people come in to me reporting whatever anxiety, insomnia, obsessive thoughts and um we do the mental health nutrition for a few sessions and suddenly oh obsessive thoughts are gone insomnia is a lot better anxiety is somewhat better now if we were just doing therapy we would be wasting time you see because it turned out it was low gaba or it was dysregulated blood sugar or whatever and so then we know okay that that chunk of anxiety that's left is to work on emotionally
0: does that make sense how i say that yeah yeah, it does. It's, um, what I'm hearing you say is it's, it removes a layer that is helpful to uncover maybe deeper, more emotional issues once you've dealt with the body and the physical kind of space at that. You get to
1: see what's what, because someone can say, oh, I have anxiety and, and I crave alcohol. I need therapy. And actually, that might not be true. It might be a, a physiological thing. You yeah. Know, you're low yeah. in a certain neurotransmitter. You know, your, your diet is actually causing anxiety and there's absolutely ways that diet can cause anxiety,
0: you know, and so. Very, yeah, very interesting. So how is that different than typical approach or using medication and things like that? Mm-hmm.
1: So that's a really good question. It's completely different. So the allopathic, the conventional medical model that we have is like one problem, one solution or maybe two or three solutions, Right. So you're depressed, you need an SSRI or an SNRI, right? So that's, that's the conventional approach. The more naturopathic approach, the natural medicine approach is, okay, you're depressed. Why? What's causing it? And, and you know I can think of offhand at least 10 or 15 different biochemical causes for depression that don't have to do with low serotonin. So it's like, is your thyroid low? Is your gut not working well and you're not making neurotransmitters? Are you depleted in B vitamins? Do you have a subclinical infection? You know, blah, blah, blah. And so when you have this approach of finding the root cause and you heal the root cause and you can, the majority of the time I've found, you can do this using natural approaches, then the symptom, which in this case would be depression, can resolve. Mm -hmm. So rather than a symptom based, okay, you have this symptom, let's numb the symptom. It's like, where is it coming from? Let's rectify that
0: naturally. So the symptom can calm down. So when someone comes to see you, their first appointment with you, what is the process for them to uncover this?
1: So with the mental health nutrition, the majority of the time I find that it's three to five sessions. And, and, and I've seen at this point, probably around 300 people for mental health nutrition. And I would say in three to five sessions, the majority of my clients experience a lot of benefit. And there are always those that need further testing. But if we're doing three sessions, we start off with assessing gut function, because the gut is actually the gateway to health. You are what you eat, but you really are what you absorb. So if your digestion is not working, if you have constipation, diarrhea, bloating, you know, skin issues, um, nausea, these are all indicators that your gut is not working well. You're not actually going to be able to break down the food and send the nutrients where they need to go. Nutrient deficiency alone can cause mental health issues. And this isn't just me saying that there's many studies to back this up. Um, also we make a lot of neurotransmitters in our gut up to 90% of the serotonin that the body can make can be made in the gut. Um, And even conventional docs now are talking about the issue of inflammation being connected to mental health issues. Um, They just don't know what's causing the inflammation and their conclusion is take anti-inflammatories. But because of our modern lifestyle and the way we're eating and stress and the way we're drinking and medications we're taking, often the inflammation is in the gut. So when we calm down the gut, It can absorb its food. It can make maximum neurotransmitters. That inflammation isn't flipping on the switches for anxiety and depression and whatever else. And everything just works better. So first session is is a big focus on the gut. Um, And it's really cool because a lot of times people come in and and very rarely do they have good gut function. Um, But number one, they don't know that that's not normal or number two, they think they have to live with it. And they don't even know that by seeing me, oh, I'm gonna resolve my chronic diarrhea or my acne, which you know skin issues are indicator of poor gut function. Um, so it's like an added bonus for them, but it's foundational for my approach. Um, and then we talk about nutrition because really the foundation is optimal gut function and good nutrition. And being also a therapist and being a therapist that works a lot with eating disorders and disordered eating, I am not a very rigid nutritionist. So what I try to do is educate clients about broad strokes. It's not like you have to eat this many calories and only these foods and you can't eat these foods. It's like looking at the pattern of how you're eating and how that may be contributing to your symptoms and talking about adding in, for example, to stabilize blood sugar um, and substitutions. You know, I have so many people who come to me who are like, I'm really anxious. And so I always start off by saying what are you eating and they say oh I skip breakfast or I have coffee and then I have a small lunch and da, da, da. that's setting you up for a blood sugar roller coaster that triggers anxiety. So there's that. So the the gut and the nutrition are foundational pieces. I have people go away for a week or two and work on that. I'm telling you, so much of the time that makes such a huge difference. And so when we're still not there Then we look at specific neurotransmitter and nutrient support. So what symptoms still exist and what neurotransmitters might they be depleted in that could be causing these symptoms? And there are supplements that are the precursors to these neurotransmitters that the clients then can take and different nutrients, the deficiency of which may be causing these symptoms. I would say, really, the majority of time after three sessions, people are feeling a lot better. And then, like I said, there's always the situations where, like, further complicated testing is required. But that's that's kind of what three sessions look like, you know. Then the third session coming back and tweaking.
0: Yeah, that's great. Does this involve um, you being able to tell? what they're depleted in based on the, how they share and what they talk about, or do they have to do blood work or those kind of tests to know what's going on in their body?
1: You know, I don't do blood work. Of course it's super valid. I have colleagues that do it. Um, I haven't with, with the level that I want to take it to and with the results that I get, I haven't found it necessary for the majority of people that I work with. And so then when, like, I recently had a client who I was like, okay, I think we need to do some advanced testing of like, are, do you have a genetic issue even making your neurotransmitters? Is this why we're not getting results? And then I will refer
0: them. On. That makes sense. And all of this makes sense in terms of the connection between Physical body and mental health. And I know that we know that even things like substance use are tied to the depletion of neurotransmitters. And all of those things are all related. You know, if we're really depressed, then we may drink, which then impacts the GABA that we're getting into our brain, which, you know, changes the way our body produces GABA. So all of this makes sense that it can be very helpful for someone to look at what's going on in my life and what kind of things can I naturally put into my body so that I don't have this instinct to use substances or do other things that would be unhealthy and really make the problem worse, so to speak.
1: Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up that angle of it because one thing that I love, I love so many things about mental health nutrition, but one thing I love is that it really uh, kind of, it, it can take shame away. Like, like you said, if someone is craving alcohol, it may be because they're low in serotonin, they're low in GABA, they're low in endorphins. So they crave alcohol and they've just haven't been able to remain sober. And then they come to me and I'm like, look how low you are in these neurotransmitters based on your report. And then they take these supplements, the cravings drop all of a sudden. Oh, I do have willpower. So they, they thought they were just weak and didn't have willpower. No, it's, it's a biochemical issue.
0: So- As parents and professionals who work with young people, what can they do to recognize when a young person needs to come and see you? I think that,
1: I think everyone needs
0: needs mental health.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, especially if like, if someone's struggling, you know, with mood, sleep, energy, focus, cravings, and you're probably doing therapy if you're listening to this, right? Or your child is doing therapy. And if it's not quite getting where, where you or your child had hoped. Um, a holistic approach is almost always called for. I mean, we know that, you know, change doesn't come from just seeing a therapist once a week, right? It's, le- it's lifestyle. It's like, what are you doing with what you're learning in therapy? How are you moving your body? How's your sleep? How are your connections? Like, how are you nourishing your soul, right? Has, and so this is yet another piece. I see a lot of people who, um, have considered medications and don't want to take them or they've taken medications and found them of limited help or problematic. Um, So yeah, really anyone that's not
0: feeling good really Makes sense. You mentioned a little bit earlier about disordered eating, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that, just because especially for parents who have tween to teenage kids are potentially dealing with some of that. What kind of things are you seeing as it relates to disordered eating and mental health nutrition and the benefits of it? That's a great question. Um, So what I'd say is in conventional
1: eating disorder treatment, and conventional mental health treatment in general, there is not a lot of attention on these natural holistic approaches. In fact, there's the opposite, right? I do this because it works. I don't do this because I enjoy wasting my time or my client's time, you know? I do this because it changes lives and it makes me so happy when people get these results. So a piece that I find missing specific to eating disorder treatment related to mental health nutrition. Number one, people with eating disorders almost invariably have digestive issues, of course right? For so many reasons, right? Like we know with bulimia, of course, that's going to impact digestive function. Um, With anorexia, thinking about food and not eating, it actually dysregulates your stomach acid. So there's, there's a lot of downstream effects. Now, if you have digestive problems, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have problems having bowel movements, or you're going to be bloated, or you're going to have pain nausea, gas, whatever. Can't tell you how many people who have come to me who have eating disorders, and let's say they have bloating because their gut is dysregulated because of the eating disorder. And they have been told, well, this is part of your body dysmorphia, you're preoccupied with your stomach and this is an emotional issue. No, this is a physiological issue. So when we heal their gut, guess what? They can stop being preoccupied with their stomach, (laughs) right? Here's another big piece that is also missing. When the gut is not working optimally, as I said earlier, we're not making as many neurotransmitters as we can. And largely that's serotonin. So I can assume that most of my clients who are coming to me for eating disorders or disordered eating are probably going to have low serotonin. And a really common low serotonin symptom is obsessive thoughts which shows up in eating disorders like obsessively counting calories, obsessively weighing, writing out foods, right? Well, everyone talks about this like it's purely emotional. It's not necessarily, it can be low serotonin traced back to the poor gut function. So this has also happened to me a lot where I help someone heal their gut and oh, guess what? They're not obsessing anymore. They're not on the scale every single day anymore. They're not counting calories because it was physiological, not emotional.
0: And if you can remove some of that, those symptoms, then some of the things that would be traditionally thought of as emotional would, would just naturally go away. It just makes right. sense. So how is this related to or different from intuitive eating? Good
1: question. I feel like I'm saying that
0: for all of your questions. I love <laughs> the questions.
1: So it, I am a huge fan of intuitive eating. However, there needs to be a structure and there needs to be balance to start with. If someone is doing intuitive eating, but they are out of balance, let's say they're depleted in endorphins, okay? And they're trying to do intuitive eating, but they're just craving all these foods that fire endorphins, like sugar. Well, I'm doing intuitive eating and I want milk duds again and I want cookies again and da 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 that's out of balance. And so we need to start with a stable system. And then someone can tell the difference between an out of balance, sped up craving versus like a slower, more nourishing needs-based request from the body. Also, you know, I I think everything in life needs structure and flow. And so sometimes people can take intuitive eating to this place of like, well, I'm not hungry, so I'm just not going to eat breakfast. And now I'm not hungry, so I'm just not going to eat lunch. And it's like, oh, and then I end up, eating regular dinner, but then I I intuitively want a whole pint of ice cream. I think maybe you need to like front load your day and eat some more, you
0: know, not that there's anything wrong with eating a pint of ice cream once in a while, but you see what I'm saying? There still needs some structure. Sure. And just backing up a little bit for people who might not know what intuitive eating, what is that?
1: Intuitive eating is basically listening to your body's intuition to help you, to help guide you in your food choices. And and seriously, I mean, this is what I teach my clients in general in therapy is how to listen to your body and give it what it needs. I mean, intuition is a huge part of what I do with my clients, listening to the body. We know, right, even if it's an emotional aspect, is this my intuition or is this my fear, right? And so you only can sort that out if you can find a place of balance and first come from
0: the place of balance with the intuition. Same thing with food. Sure, and how does this relate to things that I've I've read or heard about eating slow, even thanking your food? I've I've heard people say that that helps your body actually digest it better. Is Definitely. that something that is related? So that's
1: like a beautiful topic, and I could start talking about that for a long time. Is it related to intuitive eating? I think if you take the process of listening to your body to the depths, I think that you will start to learn how sped up our culture is. And you will start to realize you do need to slow down. And the aspect about gratitude, this opens up a whole other conversation about other ways that I think conventional eating disorder treatment often, not always, because some practitioners do this, but falls short because there's another layer of eating disorders in our culture, which has to do with our basically our colonized mentality. So I should do this and this should make me feel like this. I should eat this food and it should make me feel this way. Or I should, I, desert, I should look this way. I have to look this way because the culture tells me to. And so I have to re- refrain from eating. Food comes from the earth. It's a gift from the earth. It's a connection with the earth. Things had to die in order for us to live. And so if you start to go down that road and you start to do things like grow your own food, even herbs, or even just look at your food and know where your food is from. Oh, it's from that farm down the street. You start to connect to your greater community not just people, you know, plants are our community, animals are our community, you know, the clouds are our community in a way that's really lacking in our modern culture. So food can actually, anything can be a portal into, into a more holistic and connected way of living. Food has been one for me, for sure. There's been a spiritual process with me with food. Yeah. And, and the other piece there's so much I could talk about with that, but like there's this book called the messages in water by a Japanese professor and he took photographs of water being crystallized as it was receiving either like negative messages or positive messages, like loud, harsh music or like sweet, harmonious music. And the crystals really reflect the energy of what was being sent to it. Like you'll see that the crystals that receive the bad messages and the harsh music, they're all like jagged and unsymmetrical. And the ones that, that are getting the positive messages are beautiful and, and well-formed. So, we're 70% water, our food's 70% water. And I certainly don't mean to be bringing this up as like a kind of bypassy, like everything's love and light and only ever feel good because that's not the answer either. But like prayer over food, right? There's reasons that all traditions pray over food. It's thanking, it's giving thanks, but it's also when you, when you have that energy of gratitude, it literally changes the food. And I've had many experiences with this, like actual concrete experiences. Stories probably for another time. Maybe I'll do, <laughs> yeah. maybe I'll do a Facebook Live about my like wild stories about praying over food and what happened.
0: I um, I saw a similar video where they they showed plants that had that same reaction to people either being negative, being positive, or not doing anything at all, and the degree to which the plants grew. So that's a really interesting concept, I think. It says something about how we talk to ourselves because I think that's oh. part of what you were talking about earlier is that we have a lot of expectations and then we have a lot of self-talk that's pretty negative. Um, and how is the body supposed to repair and nourish itself when that's the context through which it's happening? So and I'm also struck by the, what we resist persists part of this, because I think that that's a huge part of nutrition for people. I need to eat better. So I can't have these things. And I think I know for myself, that just turns into sometimes even obsessive thoughts about yeah, that, like, totally. oh, I can't have ice cream, like you mentioned earlier, now all I want is ice cream. So there's a bit of a what we resist persists. And and how do we let go of that, that obsession?
1: Yeah. And this is where I feel it comes back to balance structure and flow. So if if generally your your physiology is balanced, and you know how to work with your emotions, so that you're not using food to medicate, And you know how to feed your soul and that soul hunger is a whole different topic, but a lot of times people are using food to, you know, because their souls are hungry and, you know, your food generally is a a supportive structure. Then like, I mean, of course there should be room for everything once in a while. For me, when someone eats quote unquote perfectly, that can be a red flag.
0: Well, I'm very excited to hear your workshop that you're going to be doing, which is coming up on the 29th and 30th of January. So thank you for being one of our presenters and for sharing this approach in a way that people can really dig in a little bit. Um, Is there anything you want to share with people that we haven't talked about related to that?
1: I love this webinar so much that I'm going to be giving. It's gotten really good feedback. It's a really nice foundational 101 to what is mental health nutrition? Why do we need it? What are the foundations of it? I'm just really excited. That's, that's all I'm going to
0: share. I love, I love awesome. talking about her. Well, I know that a lot of people enjoy this kind of concept of looking at holistic approaches to health. And I also like that this topic area is appropriate for young people. It's appropriate for adults. Your nutrition is your nutrition and we all have it, <laughs> good or bad, right? Is there anything else you just want to leave people with today? Yes.
1: What I want to say is, I think just like people have a preconceived notion of therapist, which is someone who like has an empathic look on their face and nods and goes mm hmm, and says like a wise thing, and that oh god, that image just make just really gets under my skin because and that's totally not the kind of therapist I am, uh, as you probably can tell. People have a preconceived notion of nutritionist, even I do. Mm. I'm like it's this lady who's gonna tell me to eat a salad with grilled chicken, and then I'm like wait. I don't do that. And I'm a nutritionist. (laughs) But I think I want to just name that, that like, as soon as people see that word, there there is a very standard for most people reaction of like, oh, this is going to be restrictive. I already know I should eat more vegetables and less sugar. And And that's not what mental health nutrition is about at all. And, you know, some people will say when they don't know what mental health nutrition is, they're like, well, I eat well and I'm still depressed. And it's like, there's, there's a lot more to it than that biochemically. It's not just about eating
0: more salads. That's what I want to leave people with. That's great. What's the best way for people to reach you? And um, do you want to share any upcoming things you have going? Um, My website is my name,
1: Stephanie Small, and then the word health, H-E-A-L-T-H. Yeah. Please get in touch if, if like any of this resonates for you, if you have questions, Um, If you want to work together and I want to say that I teach a course called mental health nutrition foundations. This is a five week course. It's an hour and a half per week on Monday nights, starting February 8th. It used to be just for therapists, but I'm actually opening it up to anyone parents, coaches, teachers, just interested individuals. It basically takes you through my approach and the basics of my approach. I ran it last spring and got a great response. Um, People loved it. So if you want to find out more about it, you can go to my website and go under the education tab and scroll down a bit and it's there.
0: Excellent. That sounds awesome. I might be signing up for that myself. <laughs> I love you do. That'd be fun. Well, thank you again for being with us here today and just sharing all your wisdom and experience with our audience. It's really um, great information to have out there in the world. Thank you. Thanks so much for the opportunity. I appreciate it. You bet. If you want to hear Stephanie register, we have her as well as um, 10 other presenters that are going to be sharing different aspects of how to handle stress and anxiety. Again, you can go to our website, which is www.penbv.org and sign up there. Um, it's a virtual conference. You can choose anything from going to both days to just selecting one workshop. So it's completely up to you. Also, if you're inspired, there are options to make a donation or become a sponsor of our conference on our website. And we'd love to have you join us. Uh, We hope today's conversation has added to your parenting well, and that the information and insight shared here will help you in raising healthy, happy kids. So honored to have you join us today. And until next time, happy parenting.